everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I'm so glad you found us. And welcome everyone who who are good friends of ours and to everyone who's new here. We just want to welcome you specially. And today we have so many things to talk about. And usually I share a little story and I'm trying to just not get too involved in sharing too many stories today because it's so fun to have Richard Freed back and I can't wait to just bring him on. I don't want to waste any more minutes on that. But let me just say that we have had so many questions about schools and screens and what's happening in our whole school system with all this technology. So that's what we're going to try to touch on today with him. And I have a big announcement to make (laughs) that is such a win at our own school because, you know, we get on here and we talk about things that are kind of depressing. So um, sometime we have to talk about wins. The win right now is in our high school. They have made this rule that there's no smartphones in our high school. I mean, this is crazy, right? Well, this started happening last year. This year, the thing they added was no smartphones in the lunchroom. And I think I've mentioned this maybe before, but I just want to mention it again today that for those of y'all who are just really trying to get your school to make some changes, just hang in there. Don't give up. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. My boys are juniors now and they are telling me how great it is that, you know, their friends are not just buried in their phones, that they can actually talk you know, at lunch, which is just, oh my goodness, what a blessing. And who would have ever thought that this was something we were going to say was a blessing. I mean, just the fact that they went all these years just buried in their phone kind of makes me crazy. But anyway, so if you are a friend of Screen Strong, you know, Richard Freed, he is the author of Wired Child. If you are new, I want you to click on Amazon right now and order this book. I mean, right now, while you're listening, it's called Wired Child. It is my go-to book for every family who is just starting to dive into this issue for the first time, or maybe we get requests from parents who are starting a book club. This is one of the very first books I recommend. It is so well written. It is so easy to read, and it just Richard just has a way of, um, I don't know, just talking to parents like you're just sitting, you know, in the counseling office with him. We had Richard on a podcast. In fact, if you look back on number 71 and 74 last year, those podcasts were two of our most popular podcasts. So we are bringing him back today because of these many questions we've been getting in our group and in our email And I wanted him to come and address it. So Richard is a child and adolescent psychologist, and he meets daily with parents just like you. Welcome, Richard. Melanie, thank you to you and Screen Strong for having me. This is great. Yeah, this is so fun to have you back. I am just so excited. So I know I say that all the time, but I really am. We just are such good friends and we've gotten to be friends over the years. And you and I go way back with some of these conferences that we would go to and different things that we would run into each other. And here we are again today, (laughs) uh, trying to educate more parents on what the heck is happening with their kids. I just was saying to one of our producers before we started that I had a call today with a school, with a head of school, and she was so frustrated. She wants us to come do a workshop and we are, and we have our course now. So that's going to be really good to follow up with her parents, but she's so frustrated. She's like, these 
fifth graders are on TikTok in my school and we have all these problems. And she said, for the longest time, it was just sort of parents were having problems at home, but now it's like coming into the school. And I just feel so sorry for her. This, all this stuff around social media and kids, it's getting younger and younger. And I know that you see that a lot in your practice, don't you? See it in my practice and with my, my own kids at school to hear just, it's tragic to have kids go to school and say, you know, they just try to go to the bathroom and someone is pulling literally a sink off of a wall for a TikTok challenge. You know, schools are having to reach out and, and address this with the school community. It's, and it, and to say like all this stuff is really helpful for kids and then to have kids be on smartphones in school, watching TikTok, learning how to do the challenge. Great. Let's go off to the, you know, the bathroom or here or there and destroy school property. Like, I think hopefully we are waking up to the realization that this is not in kids' best interest. It's only in uh, big tech's best interest. Absolutely right. And this is exactly what this head of school was dealing with. It is kind of mind-blowing in one respect, but then on the other hand, we're not shocked at all, are we? I mean, Richard, this is what happens when you give kids something that they shouldn't have. It's just way too powerful for them. So why are we expecting something different? Why are parents so shocked? Exactly. I do need to say congratulations for your big win about getting smartphones out of your kids' high school. That is such a blessing and a gift. As you said, you know your your sons are talking, uh, and they can actually converse with kids. We have a whole generation of kids that can't look each other in the eye and talk. That's where you learn to do it. You know, that's where you learn to actually have a conversation with somebody and look them in the eye. That you're going to need when you're 18 to go to Target and say, uh, "Can I have a job?" To the manager, if you can't look them in the eye, you can't get a job at Target. So, like, that's amazing. Well, thank you. And it's it's such a great point. Again, it seems so simple, right? Like most parents, we don't think, I didn't think I made so many mistakes. You know, guys, I say that all the time because I did. I just, who, who thought that we had to even think about this? Oh, my kid isn't going to know how to talk when he graduates from high school. Who would ever have thought that? Like, we don't even know what we don't know half the time. High school is where this stuff is learned. And, and it's all about not just the book learning and of course, you know, the physics and geometry and English and all that. It is the social learning. So let's talk just for a second about this new buzzword. Maybe it's not new anymore, but new certainly since the last year or so, the social emotional learning, SEL. Talk about that a minute and how screens are sabotaging that. You know, I, I, th- I think it's not by chance that we are having to talk about social emotional learning now and that we used to not have to talk about it. It just was acquired naturally through, as as a kid, your interactions with your parents and other caring adults primarily. And it's really just the ability to gain a sense of a healthy identity and yourself and be able to be in a place where you are actually, as you grow older, you know, empathic towards others and you can like manage your emotions and God forbid, grow up to have healthy adult relationships yourself where you're able to look people in the eye and you're able to interact with your kids without having, you know, devices on all the time. You know, we used to not have to talk about this. And what's hilarious and tragic at the same time is, you know, all these 
companies that want to bring screens into schools are saying, we're going to teach your kids social emotional learning through a machine. Like, no, the reason why we need to teach them that and they are deficient in that is because of all the screens in school in the first place. You know, it, it, the social emotional learning, just those words, social emotional, like it's not a mystery. It's super easy to know what social emotional learning is. And of course you can't do that on a screen. It just doesn't even make sense to think that you can learn empathy on a screen. You know, oh, here, let me hug you through my screen. Like it doesn't work. And you're exactly right. What you're saying is kids are not forming their healthy identities. And you and I know, and everyone who has kids who have anything to do with social media, or if you've done any research on this at all, that kids are turning to social media to get their identity. This is a really bad place to do that. It changed, you know, everything changes every minute. They have no idea. Oh, you're, you're putting them into a virtual environment that is designed by founders and stockholders to profit off of kids, to, to wrench every little bit, penny from them uh, in time and, and attention, and to say this is where they're supposed to grow up and develop an identity. That's just ludicrous. Well, it is. And we have to just continue to educate parents and schools like this head of school. I'm so excited that she contacted me. We're going to get out there and we're going to do some workshops for her and give people a pathway because that's what they need. And that's what we're going to hopefully today accomplish a couple things today that will help parents kind of get a pathway for how they can handle this stuff in the, in the school. So I've got a couple questions here from our group, like I said, and from some emails. And the first one is, it just says, we struggle with the issue of screen overuse at school. My son games during free time. I don't think he's playing bad games, but he's playing silly games. Are these games necessary at school? And is homeschooling the only option for me? Do screens really facilitate learning? What do you say to that? Uh, uh, can I pull my hair out first? Um, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I, I so much of schools have really been taken with, uh, with the whole myth that, that, you know, let's move towards screens. You know, we really need to look at People like Mark Zuckerberg attended uh, Phillips Exeter Academy, which is a high school in uh, New Hampshire. It's rated the second highest school, you know, rated school in the nation. I, I think second to wow. Phillips Andover in um, Massachusetts. And I can't afford to send my kids there. They're about $60,000 a year if you want to put your kid there. Overnight or only a bargain of about forty-eight grand if you want to have them just go to the day school part. But if you read what those schools are about and lots of the uh, elite members of our quote unquote elite members of our society have graduated from there and gone on and if you look at what those programs are built around they're built around this thing called the harkness method which is essentially putting 12 students around a wooden table with one teacher and people talk without devices like that is raising a nation of of leaders who can actually carry on a conversation, look you in the eye, develop their own opinions, formulate them and discuss and not just be presented with a screen. And they're also inspired by the teacher there. The teacher, it's a, you know, the teacher knows them, you know, how are you? I've I've developed a a, a great, you know, I want to learn for Mr. or Mrs. so and so. Like that's mm-hmm. what our kids need. And if let's say you're disrespectful to the student next to you, you've got the teacher right there to say, boy, that didn't really sound that great. Like, how do you think that made Sally feel? That is social emotional learning right there. 
that first of all is such a cool idea, right? To have kids sit around the table and actually one teacher, whatever, 12 kids. And what's hitting me is that is sort of how a team sport functions a little bit. Not, not really, you're not sitting around a table, but it's one coach or maybe even two coaches with about 15 kids. Yeah. And that's why another reason why team sports are so good for boys and girls, because they kind of get what you're talking about right there. The whole social media ethic and screen ethic has tried to sell a nation of parents on this myth lie that kids are supposed to essentially raise themselves because Mm. social media is, is defined by a kid's interactions with same age peers or strangers. That's supposed to be where kids are, you know, we're told that's where your kids find themselves today. Like, that is such um, that that is anti-science. That is anti-decades of research about what attachment is and how young people are supposed to form their uh, identities and their selves and their compassion through interactions with mostly their parents, but also other caring adults in their lives. And that includes teachers and educators and school staff. You know, when I travel and and talk at these private schools, and kids are walking into school and and the head of school will go out there and high five kids and greet them and say, Hey, good morning, Joe. And and I hope you have a good day. Gosh, you should see the look on these kids' faces. Like I'm going to learn today. The reason why we behave well is is we're inspired to do that by the people, the the adults, you know, I'd like to make coach or teacher proud of me. Like these are the things that our kids need. Well, and they have a community, and it's a real person community in real life, in person with real people. And at our school, we we do, do do have a smaller school. So it's not like we have a huge school, but um, our kids all the way coming through, all four of our kids have gone to this school. And the head of school, now that you said that, this is really interesting. She knew the name of everybody in our school. Wow. I don't even understand how she did that. But I think it, just like you just said in that example, it just makes the kids feel connected and when you have just peers that you're talking to, right? When they're the only, when it's only your age, it's would be like if our baseball team went out to play a game and there was no coach, like what the heck would happen? Uh, what happens is what's happening now, which is a Lord of the Flies, crazy peer run environment that, you know, I, th- I think Newfeld and Mate, a great book told us in Hold On To Your Kids that this is what is happening, where you're getting a peer-oriented society versus a, a adult or, or um, parent-oriented, which is how young people have always been raised. Uh, they've always been raised with caring and loving adults. And the big tech wants to disempower people like parents and teachers and kids' lives to put them on a screen. Meanwhile, all these Silicon Valley tech elite are taking their own kids and making sure that they are have lots of time with their family and that they go off to schools which have small classrooms and caring uh, teachers and very few screens. It's like, we're going to raise our kids one way and we're going to make sure your kids get raised another. So that's fascinating that the tech execs, and I've talked to quite a few of them myself, are not actually allowing screens in schools, especially as early. I mean, I'm not saying that there should never be a screen in a classroom, but it should always be just a tool and this, not a toy like this mom is writing that her kids are playing video games, you know, in the middle of school. And why is this happening? There is another question here that says, I want my high schooler to move to pen and paper. 
I know it's less convenient and it's going to be a challenge, but can you tell me how to get a letter from my doctor to request this accommodation? Do you, uh, do you have a sample letter and do you ever um, do letters for your patients? This is a really interesting question. Uh, for me, I, you know, I'm a clinical psychologist, a child adolescent person. So when people come to me and in California, we call it kids have an IEP individualized education program. If they meet certain criteria or kind of a step below that, they can get special services through a 504 plan. When families come to me and kids are struggling in school, and of course, uh, the pandemic was such a nightmare, the failure rates for my, especially boys, <laughs> we're going to see, I mean, we're already seeing it. I'm happy to talk about the, the college attendance rates now, which are horrible for boys, but it's, gonna, it's about to get a lot worse. But yes, I will write that letter, you know, please provide accommodations for this kid. Like, let's say they have... ADHD or things like that. I think I need an official psychiatric diagnosis for me to be able to, in my mm-hmm. clinical practice, to write that letter. So, you know, it's kind of sad if your kid is just essentially get sucked in by persuasive design and pulled off onto these devices and are just overusing them like so many boys, but they don't have a psychiatric diagnosis. I guess I don't see those kids so much. I, you know, but I would actually, if I saw them and I don't know if the school would listen, but I would still write that letter. So I I write that letter a lot for especially for families that do have a kid let's say with ADHD or a, you know and I list out what I what I want to do how much schools right now are listening to me is another story what what kind of things are in there like like that they have accommodations to sit closer to the front is that yeah, one of them yeah or you know you can if you have ADHD you can take uh, your test maybe in a different location away from like a, a quieter place. If you're really like a distractible kid, you can do, if there's 30 math problems we're going to send home, maybe if you get through 15, you know, mm-hmm. do the odd ones. But screens exploit all kids, but they, you know, kids with inattentive tendencies. And I had plenty, you know, never officially diagnosed. I just sort of like what didn't have access to video games, social media, online videos. And I, I grew out of that. I learned to focus. Well, you probably would have been diagnosed if yeah. you had a video game. Yeah, it took me a while to find school, you know, uh, but I found it. And and that's what you're seeing with this generation of boys today. They are not being given the chance to find school. Well, let's talk about boys. I, I just did a recent podcast just talking about why school, or excuse me, why, why girls are getting so hammered with social media and just all the rejection pain that they're feeling. And, you know, it, it's a little bit different for boys, they, they don't treat social media exactly the same. I think it's more gaming, but talk about boys in school. Cause it does seem like a lot of our questions, when we get questions about kids that are struggling, it does, it seems to be like they're mostly boys, even though I know that girls are struggling too, but like in this question that I just read, you know, she said she wants him to move to pen and paper. I know personally for one of my sons, that was absolutely necessary. We started getting the textbooks home and he doesn't have a diagnosis, but I talked to the teachers. So there are some things that you can do to talk to them about limiting and not putting everything on a screen or getting the textbook. When we got the textbook and a couple of his subjects, it really made a big difference. And of course I have him do a lot of note writing. You set your kid at, at the kitchen table. You're providing them structure. They sit down with a, a textbook or a worksheet that's what they're going to do. I mean, maybe they'll get off task and t- tap their pencil. You put your kid down with a laptop or a tablet at the same table 
and you're in there in the kitchen trying to get something done or do you have no idea what they're doing. And I tell you what they're doing. Just about every kid that I ran into. Yeah. The whole time when I was in school during the pandemic, I always had another window of a game going YouTube. I have multiple windows. Of course, I'm not listening to the teacher and teachers are having to call kids out, essentially boys saying, you know, we can see, I can see you gaming during class. Can we not do that? Is this, are you talking about on Zoom or yeah, in the classroom? Or yeah, this, uh, pro- yeah, definitely during Zoom. Of course, kids are doing this. E- even when I go to a medical conference, for example, and I'm sitting in the audience, everybody in the audience has their laptop and they're checking their email and they're doing other stuff too. You know, if you have a laptop in front of you, you're going to maybe listen a minute, but you know, it's just distracting as heck. Yeah. When Francis Haugen, the Facebook, Instagram whistleblower took all the documents and turned them into the wall street journal and Mm -hmm. uh, other, other papers and went on 60 minutes. She is, you know, revealing that what Instagram wants and is driving for and the penultimate thing for them is quote unquote teen time spent. Like, what does that mean? How do they drive that? That is what they want. They want your kid on that device and they're going to use a lot of powerful psychology and persuasive design to get that to happen. And there's no way a kid presented with a a device that can give them that opportunity is going to be able to do that. Let's jump back real quick. What does this mom do? What do they offer? If you, what can you offer? If, if, they don't have a, an official diagnosis. I mean, they can write a letter to the school. They can call the teacher. I would hope that there would be a, a counselor in the community that understand uh, understands this stuff. And there and there are getting to be more. But like you know, you want to talk to hopefully a, a, a child adolescent therapist that understands this issue is bigger than talking with your eleven year old boy alone. Like, no, this issue is bringing in the family creating systems around this kid that can help them. You know, tech addiction is a real thing. We know Dr. Doug Gentile, who, and uh, a study that he did coming out of, I think, Brigham Young, really was consistent this past year that about 10% of teen gamers are addicted. And that number keeps coming up. And so even if your kid doesn't have a diagnosis of ADHD, they can get game addicted. And that means it's going to drag their school performance down. And I'm sorry, American psychiatry hasn't officially recognized that diagnosis, but the World Health Organization has. Right. Um, So uh, I'm sorry it's not in what's called the DSM, which is our American Psychiatric Bible. We've really let parents down, but the the world has figured out. The World Health Organization knows that's a real diagnosis. And I would hope that there would be a counselor who would say, like, your kid's at risk of this or has this, and you as a school should be providing the student paper and pencil worksheet op- options wherever possible. Wait till they start getting a better grade and all parents realize that that's what needs to happen. Yeah, because you start seeing it right away. I mean, we did, we moved one of our our kids, we moved them to paper worksheets in math and it just has just been a huge help. And of course, math, you can't learn math much on a screen. And we didn't have to go through a counselor and we didn't have to go to get official letters from the doctor. We, you know, that's why I just recommend to anybody listening, if you are feeling a gut feeling that there's just stuff going on at school that you want him, want your child, your son or your daughter to have more of a traditional school experience, start talking with the teachers first in the different classrooms. And if they have an advisor there, if you have an assistant principal or a principal, just don't go in with guns a blazing and acting like you're going to like change the whole school. Just start with your own kid first and just say, is there anything that we can do? Melanie, that's, that, that's great advice. And I, 
you know, what makes it so hard for parents right now is parents just say things like, I just want my, my boy to be normal. What is really hard for parents, and they don't necessarily see this today, is a Wall Street Journal article just came out a few months ago, and it really said if you walk, if you, if we were to walk onto the typical United States college campus and counted heads, sixty percent of the students would be female, and only forty percent would be male. And this tra- this trajectory is like continuing. And they said if this keeps up, women are going to earn two college degrees to every one. Uh, the, oh my and and I know girls or women may be smarter than us boys in many respects, but it's not it's not sixty forty, yeah. right, Melanie? No, <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Of course not, Richard. Of course not. <laughs> it's so it's really hard, parents, to say I want my and the normal kid grows up today in a back room on Fortnite and gaming with friends and just being quote unquote normal. Yeah. They are at risk for not going to college. Just talk about that a minute. What does it look like? Okay. There's a parent out here listening and she's got a seventh grader. Okay. A boy, maybe she's got a couple of them. (laughs) Can we, can we rewind the clock and say they've got a, a a first grader and grandparents are, are, are about ready to send the Xbox or the, the PlayStation or the, the gaming this and, and, you say thank you, but you know, can we get the can we do a train set this year? Uh, we're really not wanting to do that. Like they they come in as quote unquote gifts. They are a Trojan horse in your family to steer your boy away from academics and into a life of of virtual gaming instead. How does that happen? Persuasive design is is you know the. <laughs> He doesn't like me very much, but the inventor of persuasive design, which is the hidden psychology within consumer technologies, and especially video games, online uh, videos, and social media, they are especially strong in video games. And and I criticized uh, Dr. B.J. Fogg, who invented that science mm-hmm. at Stanford. He doesn't appreciate me very much. Um, I, <laughs> I wrote okay. I wrote the the tech industry's war on kids. You can look that up. He is he really says in there like video games better than anything else. I, th- I think he says this, like better, like teach boys to be competent or something to that effect. Your typical video game today is designed to have boys feel that they're actually doing something and capable and boys, we've really played a, a you know, the world has changed so much. It's really a giant trick upon boys. Boys have a hunter gatherer brain for all of human history. We've wanted uh, the boy's job was to bring a deer home for dinner. And now we say, go to a classroom, be quiet, sit on your hands and learn math and, and like they should, because there's really not a big career in being hunt, a hunter gatherer today. Unfortunately, that's what you've got to mm-hmm. do. You've got to become academic. That persuasive design is going after that hunter gatherer fight, kill aliens, build shelter, brain in a candy colored prize filled virtual world. And it feels so right to the to boys. People think I might have magical powers because I can, I can I can go to a, an audience of parents and I can get them all to say the the same word in unison at the same time without any rehearsal. I go and I say, "All right, parents, what is the one word that video gamers use to describe school?" And the whole audience yells, "Boring!" All together, and I've just <laughs> we didn't rehearse it. They all know it. Of course, school is hard and it is kind of boring and tedious. I struggle now to sometimes learn all the stuff I need to learn. But if I have a choice to 
always be told that I can go conquer the world and do all this stuff and do it in this perfect little virtual world that's telling me I'm a hero, I'm not going to do the boring work that's going to get me into college. You never will. Why would you? And what you were just describing is the basic human needs that all humans have. And then of course, boys, the, this need to be the master, you know, to master your universe and to have that competency that you were talking about. And when they go into a video game, it is just all about it. Like they can spend X amount of hours and they're going to get more competent. They're going to master whatever game. Competency and for how much effort. Yeah. Yeah. That's the really scary part, you know, flicking a little game controller and now you're a hero as opposed to sit down and actually having to learn uh, algebra. Yeah. And you take all that little effort that they're doing with this huge reward Ugh. that doesn't transfer over to real life. There's nothing else in real life that requires that little bit of an effort for a big reward. Nothing. Everything is hard. The only thing that compares with it is is, is illicit drugs like methamphetamine. Well, that's true. I guess that would be. Oh, so maybe that's why they say it's just like a drug addiction. Yeah. Right? All I got to do is pop this pill and I feel great and I feel competent and that's all I need and to you belong, do. And you belong to the group yeah. and you don't even have to be seen by the group, but you belong and you have this autonomy because school is lame and like you said, boring and nobody else knows what they're doing and I'm the man in my game. And so when this starts happening all through you know, third, fourth, fifth grade, and then on into middle school, where does the disc, I mean, I know the disconnect happens all along the way, but, but for parents out there listening, like, I don't know, I don't want to say, when is it too late? I want to say, where's the fork in the road? Like, when does that child really, you know, you really have to take the games away. He's got to start figuring out that real life is where it's at. And that's where he's going to end up in college. I mean, my son dropped out of college too. He's one of those drop out. So many boys drop out, especially their first year, because they go in with no parent, you know, and no kitchen timer to tell them when to get off the game. But is it in middle school that you've got to start paying attention? I feel like by the time high school comes around, they're already kind of in their pathway. Yeah. I mean, essentially the young, very young brain is remarkably plastic. Humans are so adaptable. So we're going to build this brain to be remarkably adaptable. And if, and if as soon as kids grow up with, and you know, you see them in as infants, as soon as you see them swiping through a tablet, like that is, you know, for a person like me, you're, you're teaching the brain that I get remarkable rewards for moving my finger across the screen rather than getting up and crawling. Um, and actually going to maybe interact with a toy or with a mm-hmm. with a grandmother, it starts honestly between you and me. It starts when kids are infants. So as soon as you can get it done, and as soon as you can emphasize prevention, and then as soon as if it if things do start to go south, you want to go to Screen Strong and you want to find your community as a parent and see if you can get other parents to join up perhaps with screen strong at your school and say like, let's all work together. You know, our, our kids are, and this so much works together. If you can get a, uh, a number of parents uh, to come together and it's a group of boys and, and you're tired of having them, whoa, you just, you see it. And, and what gets parents to not pay attention is in middle school, really uh, bright kids can do quite well in middle school, pull down A's essentially with uh, even if they game a lot. 
and then what'll happen is high school, no matter how smart you are, you got to start doing a lot of homework, especially if you're going to do classes that will get you into college. And that's where things are going to go south. So parents, hopefully you're seeing this coming and they're going to act and they're going to get together with their group. And then you go off and buy a whole bunch of play equipment or you sign your kids up for a sport together or you uh, take them on a vacation together and you put, everybody put their devices away. So, And then you go to Screen Strong and you say, how can we do this together as a community? Yeah, and that we totally agree with you there, of course. And the the groups that we are helping people start in their schools by age grade you know, levels and stuff really works where you have almost like a room parent, but it's a screen strong mom or dad, and they provide ideas for like weekly or every few weeks or once a month where they get together, there's no screen time, and they start bonding together over all these fun frisbee type golf activities and outings and hiking and biking. And you then, you know, it doesn't take that much to get a kid interested in real life again. If you can do it in middle school, that's awesome. You know, it's harder once they get into high school and they get more into their their habits. But that's really the only way to do it is through a community. You can certainly do it if you dig your heels in and want to be, you know, solo, but it's so much easier when you have a community to do that. If we were sitting in your office, if if I was a mom in your office sitting across the table from you and I have my 13-year-old son with me, or daughter for that matter, either one, what do you say to, to the kids? Like we can talk to the parents all day long and I'm really good at that. But what do you say to the kids when you're working with a 13 year old boy or girl who has problems with, you know, um, overusing their game or their social media and they think their parents are crazy and their parents don't know what they're talking about. They have it all managed. They have it all fine. How do you talk to a 13 year old about this? That's about the hardest question anybody could ever ask me. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you are doing your best. It, it, it's very similar to um, uh, chemical dependency treatment for a preteen or a teen. No kid ever walks into a chemical dependency program and says, I have a problem. They come in with their parents who say, we've got a problem at our home. Honestly, it is a long-term effort that you need to – and in that chemical dependency program, you're pulling them away – uh, from their substance and you're trying to have them form other connections. So when kids are knee deep into social media and gaming, they may not, there may be nothing I can say. I wish I had the magic words. It's so much honestly about the adults and kids lives stepping up because there is not, you know, we, there's a lot of people out there who want to just say that kids can do this. They can learn to manage it. I, I, I don't see that. I think, that's why you have private schools that I can't afford to send my kids to because there's evidence that says that private schools are not allowing kids to have smartphones during the school day. Great, Melanie, that you got it. I'm going to think your kids go to public school, but like. No, they're in a, they are in a private oh, school. They're in a very small school. Um, and that, but I do, there's actually a public school here that, oh my goodness, they police it like crazy. They don't allow any smartphones during lunch. They, I think they have them maybe some during the school day, but they don't allow any. So that's where we need the adults to step back in. The adults have been convinced that kids can do this on their own. And it's and meanwhile, you do know that all these uh, Silicon Valley parents have a strong hand at home because they know kids can't do this themselves. So what's really sad is when kids literally might fail out freshman year or really get low grades. And then they come around to realizing maybe when they're a junior uh, in high school that, wow, I've kind of lost my shot at going to a four-year school. 
um, mm-hmm. if I wanted to go to college. And then I am trying to give them back hope to say, listen, our old babysitter went to junior college for two years and then she transferred to UC Berkeley and then she became a medical doctor. You want to give kids another path We, uh, to say like, it's worth us gaining control of whatever your tech is now. So when you do, let's say, get to junior college and devote yourself and, and figure out that you can do, do this, you can kind of do whatever you want. I really love your answer that your answer really wasn't a big answer about talking to kids about this. We get asked all the time to talk to kids. And my answer is always, parent, it's up to you. I have to talk to you. I have to get you educated first. And then the apple will kind of fall under the tree. There's no magic thing that happens by a 13-year-old reading a book, for example, or watching a movie about tech addiction or something. It's, It's just the way their brain is wired. They don't understand. They don't understand it the way that parents do. And so that's, it's just interesting that you just kind of nailed that, that it's got to start at home. You have to be a leader. You have to be a firm coach. You have to be, you know, you have to have thick skin. You can't worry about what your kids are going to say to you. Um, it starts at me. home. You're right. Home. <laughs> and I, and here's the frustrating for part for parents. All right. Parents are saying it is starting at home, but then I can send my kid to school and they're sent home with a, a, a tablet or a Chromebook yeah. and they and they live their life on YouTube in, instead of school. That's so frustrating. So we need the other adults in kids' lives to step up and public schools need to start figuring out like China is it understands that adults need to uh, figure this out. Here's where things get really crazy. China just set really, really strong limits. I think kids can play video games for three hours a week on Friday night, and Saturday and Sunday night between like 8 and 9 p.m. That's it. You know, if we're wondering what, how we can get kids to college, you know, I, I think it's going to be Chinese kids that want to be able to go, be able yeah. to, to function well in the United States colleges because especially boys are gi- now given the opportunity, not only, you know, we're talking about systems by their parents and by the school, but here is the entire government saying we need to take action because our families can't do this themselves. No, and they see it as a, a epidemic in their country, and it is an epidemic here. We just don't see it like that yet. Like I said, all these questions we have about schools and screens, I think what it boils down to is you've got to pay attention to your child. I, I would love for everybody to go out there and save the world, but I think sometimes parents get really frustrated. They want to go change all the school systems here, and I want to just say that, in fact, let's do a few tips. I started writing down some stuff, Richard, when you were just talking um, I was paying attention, but I did take some notes and I have a little tip list going here for parents that are listening today. So to start this tip list, I just want to say that you've got to focus on your child, on what their specific needs are, whether or not they have any kind of diagnosis or not, that doesn't matter. You know that they're going to do better if they can have pen and paper and do their homework that way. And if they also are not distracted by video games. So in order to keep them off of video games at school, you're going to have to do detoxing at your house. You can't say, oh, it's okay to game at home, but not at school. Honestly, the kid doesn't know the difference. So one tip I have is to do homework with your child in an open area like the kitchen table, mom, you grab your book that you're reading, not your screen, but your real book or the newspaper. And you sit while your dinner is in the crock pot because you're not going to be cooking all day because you're focusing on balancing all this stuff. So uh, one tip is to sit and actually sit there while your kid is doing their homework. 
it will cut their homework time into like a 10th of the time that they were spending on their homework because they're not going to be able to do anything else but homework because you're sitting there. So even if they're in high school, in fact, I think even almost more so in high school, because they kind of go through this developmental crazy period where they do a U-turn and start acting like toddlers again, and they kind of lose their head a little bit. So if you sit and don't make it a big deal, just sit there and say, okay, do your math. I'm just going to read my paper. And that way you can keep an eye. There is no accountability, Richard. There's no accountability. These kids get all these on these screens at schools. They get them at home in their kitchen table and nobody's watching nobody knows what they're doing yeah i love that you are a fly on my wall in my practice you know the the kids that do well you know come home from school grab a snack start your homework and do it out at the kitchen table in a kind of a common location and then hopefully that negates kids plan to sort of keep three windows open besides doing their homework Right. And then you have to learn, you have to, I mean, excuse me, you have to teach them this time management. Time management is the hardest thing. So you say, okay, what do you think your math is going to take you? Well, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's do 30 minutes, give you 30 minutes. Let's see if you can get it done before then give them some parameters. I think the problem with all these screens in schools is there's no stopping point anywhere. There's no parameter. Oh, we'll say we're going to do math for five hours. Well, we're not there. Like you said, they have every other window open. Of course, the other tip is to never allow laptops in the bedroom. And I know people have heard this for years and years, but boy, you've got to put your foot down on this, especially when you have high school kids, because you're going to be tired. You're exhausted. You've already raised this child through the middle school years and you're about ready to retire and you can't retire. You cannot allow laptops in the bedroom or even in the den. And if they're in the kitchen, you can't, they can't have the, um, the way they're sitting in the kitchen, you need to look at the back of their head. You need to see their screen. You can't be looking at the back of the laptop. You're not going to know what's on it. The other thing is, uh, I think writing this letter, I think this is a great tip or just calling your teacher. So if you're struggling with the school thing, do not get overwhelmed. Richard, it's really hard not to get overwhelmed as a parent. You feel so defeated. And understand there are, I would think at your typical school, there are many, many other parents just like you saying, my kid does not learn well on a screen. Yes. And the way I want you to approach it is not in a combative way. Don't go with, like I said, guns blazing. What you want to do is go to the teacher. Maybe you get a couple parents. They usually don't like to be ganged up on. Maybe you go to the principal and you say, you know, there's just a few of us that are noticing this, but I'll tell you, you've got to go to them with a spirit of humility and you have to say, can you please help me? Don't go with a critical spirit. Go with um, can you help me? We're struggling with this gaming in our home. I'm trying really hard to cut it back. Can you help me during the day at school? Can we do pen and paper for 30 days? Just say 30 days. Don't tell them for the rest of eternity. Just say to the principal, can we do this for 30 days? I'm begging you. I need your help. And no principal in their right mind will just say, oh, get out of here. I don't care about you. But if you go in and you're criticizing and you're you know, like, I, I mean, I tend, I know, listen, I know what I'm talking about because I have to give myself the same talk. Oh, Melanie, I need you as my new life coach. Oh, a life coach. Well, I just know that, that, you know, the honey attracts, you know, whatever it is, the bees, <laughs> you don't want to go in and create em- enemies, but parents are feeling so 
angry, Richard. And I know you understand that because you have seen the inside the sausage factory. You know what's really happening and you get angry too. I mean, you and I both get angry about it. But as a mom, as a dad, when you go to talk to the principal, go in with the spirit of please help me, help me, help me. And then see what happens. And after 30 days of a trial, tell them, can we just do it for a month? you know, and see what happens. And then after that, it's going to be amazing. And even your own child is going to notice the difference. Don't you see that, Richard? Don't you see that kids will notice? Yes. We take the lead. That happens in my home and it happens for all the families I work with. And when and when kids are attached, like you're talking about this, this parent attachment, They'll tell you, you know, when, I mean, they'll notice a difference and they'll be like, mom, you're right. It's about a habit. A habit is maybe two weeks, maybe four weeks building. Boy, that was a little bit challenging to build. But once it did, like, oh, I get it. Habits are everything. And and really what we're saying with these tips is, you know, when you have to sit, because I'm sure I've lost a few people listening saying, oh my gosh, I can't do that. That's ridiculous. Well, yes, you can. You absolutely can do it. And I'm not saying forever. I'm saying I mean, first of all, high school is only 48 months, right? I mean, what are we talking about? Of course, that's not forever. And I'm not saying you have to do it every single minute of every single day, but I think you should start to develop a habit that when the screens come out, you sit down with your book or your paper, not your phone. Don't sit down and start scrolling social media. Just act interested in what they're doing, not being over controlling, be present. And when you're present, they're going to do their math. Are you, do you think they're really going to go off into the, all these other tabs and start doing stuff? No, because there's accountability. Parents are told like, oh, your kids can do this on their own once they get out of elementary school. No, I really. No. Kids have always, always worked alongside their parents. You, ne- we, you know, for all of human history, we did not send kids off to for right. three months to say, please do some job and then we'll come back three months later and see you failed it. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Like no, <laughs> that's a really bad they, idea. They were accountable. Like you know, if you were off task or didn't get your job done, there was heck to pay right then and there. Well, and with all the pornography issues, that I would love to have you back on actually to talk about that topic because that's a whole other topic. But what I want to say uh, to parents right now: listen, your job it, it, now. Don't you know? crucify the messenger here. I'm just telling you, your job is going to get a little harder before it gets easier. So you bring your kids through, you know, lower school, they get to middle school and you start feeling like you're getting ready to retire. No, it's getting ready to get hard. It's going to even get harder. Your high school kids need you more in some respects than your fifth grader. And you're doing this to support their learning, but you're also doing it to support their emotional health. I know we've lost this in American culture, but if you're 15, 16, 17, 18, your primary attachment should not be with a bunch of peers who are going to uh, online or strangers who are going to turn their back on you inevitably a, a lot. It's it's with it's with your family. And then secondly, with your teachers at school. That's why we need to put these uh, devices down. And you're, so understand you as family, even we have this, oh, I got my kids need to be connecting with their peers. No. The research is absolutely clear. Uh, Parents should be number one. I love the fact that you're bringing this up because this is exactly what I wanted to end this uh, podcast on today. I just wanted to end with that whole concept of connectedness, whether it's to parents or what you just said to teachers. It is just 
so sad that kids are not connected to their teachers anymore. And there is so much research on the protective factors around school connectedness. And I, I mean, this is such common sense. It's, it's, you know, not even funny, but the more they're connected to a screen, the more they're into their virtual world, the less connected they're going to be to their teachers. This is the only time in their life and they'll have college teacher relationships was very different in college than it is in high school and middle school. This is the only time that they have to take advantage of these rich relationships. And you as a parent get a little bit of a break because it's not just you, it's their coach. It's their fun English teacher that actually comes to their church league basketball game because they are such good friends in school. I mean, it's these kind of connections that you need your kids to make. And when they are that kid in the classroom who's off doing video games or, you know, even even a girl who's off doing all her social media all day, she will not connect with her teachers. It's criminal. We've got to get we've got to get smartphones out of out of schools. It is denying kids the emotional connection that they need with their teachers to feel that from a caring adult that is going to going way back to get them to be socially and emotionally healthy. Yeah. And it takes some of the pressure off the parent. Yep. This is kind of a shared job with the teacher as it should be, as it has been for years and years and years. Talk about that just a minute about the importance of education. When I talk about why these Silicon Valley tech execs are raising their kids in a way that is actually really science-based, and the rest of the world is not, yeah. it's because they have insider knowledge. They also have some privilege too that allows them uh, quality non-screen resources. We need to make sure all families have access to that, but they also yeah. have insider information. And that's what the Screen Strong course is about. You, you need to have that rock solid. This is why we're doing this. And that's what the Screen Strong course gives you. Thank you. That's exactly what we were going for. So I'm glad that you think that it does that. We want to give you that insider knowledge. And if you don't have the why figured out really clearly, if it's just somebody's opinion or you just read something, that that's not going to work. Your why has to be so strong. And, and if it, if it's not, you're going to flounder and fail and you're not going to be able to figure it out. But when your why is strong, that gives you everything you need for the foundation to make changes in your home. And Richard, I don't think you've seen the second half is just about ready. We have the solutions piece that goes with the kids' brains and screens. And the solutions actually walk you through kind of a lifestyle change and it and it goes through even every room in your house and we will kind of suggest things to do to make it more screen strong and and less crazy but as we wrap up today i always ask for a final word of encouragement for parents out there that feel so detached right now to their kids it is painful and it it is painful because it goes against every parenting instinct that is put there for millions of years to have you step up and you are, (laughs) I mean, you changed your kids, you know, if you're a mom or maybe a dad, uh, you changed your kid's diaper like a, a thousand times. You stayed up with them when they were sick. The tech industry wants you to take all that investment and just throw that away. And that just, we know that that's not right. You know, we know as as kids get older that they're supposed to find um, to to gain some of their own independence, but that is always done within the context of a loving family and and caring 
relationships with with teachers we and coaches and everybody around we can't let our kids go and so of course when that happens when you when the tech industry has convinced you to turn your kids loose because they they're supposed to know it's so painful and you just know in your heart that it's wrong and it is wrong go with your gut you know this is right you know your kids you know take a look at how uh, bill and melinda gates raised their kids take a look at how uh, steve jobs raised his kids these are the people who really know you know they've got this sort of insider information they've got a lot of you know resources to be able to but what that really provides is just this word of those two things that come together. What they spell out for for for, for them is I've got a responsibility to my kid. No one's going to protect them out there. No one's going to guide them. They they need help and, and guidance. If you know if I don't do it, then it's a video game or a social media platform that's going to do it, and, and they just want to profit. So step up is a. A, a caring, loving parent. Kids know this too in their heart. They may <laughs> roll their eyes. They may get angry with you. They may slam a door. But understand, you're just there. You do your best not to get uh, super uh, upset and riled up. And you just have that calming, loving presence. And you just know in your heart, I need to be there for my kid. And you communicate that to them every day. Oh, that's such great advice. And you've got to be um, really confident around hitting that pause button and delaying this stuff. It's really not that hard to do. In fact, Richard, I think you would agree that it's so much easier to do childhood and adolescence without all these toxic screen stuff in their lives. And and it's not forever. You know, of course, one day they're going to jump out in the world and do it. But if they have a um, healthy childhood and a healthy adolescence, and if they are connected to you and their teachers and the other adults in their life, they're going to, they're going to know the answers to the screen thing when they get older. They, they don't need to do this all childhood. I think that's what the, that's what our, really our encouragement is to everyone listening is to know that you can hit that delay button. And, um, and then when you postpone, and you delay, uh, then by the time when the, the time rolls around for them to get these technologies, they're going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't think in, I mean, I think we were all fine when we finally got a smartphone after I had four children, right? Or three or yeah, however many I had. Recently, and I, I you know, I can, <laughs> I don't need to check it all the time or be on it. And I hope that allows me to be more present with, with, with my kids. I purposely don't game and I, really not on social, I'm not on social media. Like, yes. And the science is so clear. You give your kid a video game player, like, oh, you know, I know parents feel such a push to do that. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you feel a push to do it. Wait till you give it to them and see how tough that is. You're like, wow, I wish we wouldn't have given it to them in the first place. And the same with smart smartphones and girls like, oh man, they want it. They want it. And, they, and they're like, oh, this is going to be easier once I give it. No, it gets a hundred times harder. So have you ever had a parent come to you and say, I wish I had given my kid more screen time? Not one. And parents know this. It's really hard. They, you know, they, they kind of know how I, my studies about this and my philosophy and they'll come to me and that, you know, we, we're going to get them a, a video game player. It's going to be fine. We're really, we know about it. We're going to keep control. And because I get to see, I have the privilege of seeing kids over the course of their lifespan. So many of those families come back a year later to say, my kid's failing in school. It's so much easier to have this stuff out, out of your house. And, um, you don't, you don't even know the, the power of the persuasive design and psychologists that are hiding behind the screen to undermine your parenting 24 seven. It is remarkable. 
Well, if anyone needs any more encouragement, they can listen to this again. I think this has been really encouraging. We don't want anybody to feel discouraged. We don't want anybody to feel guilty or bad. We want you to start with today and just start making changes. And you can go to Screen Strong and learn more about how to do that. And Richard, um, you certainly have provided an incredible amount of information today in your book, too. And everything else that you are working on now, we just wish you the best of success with every bit of it. We're so excited that you're out there saving kids along with us. So thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you, Melanie. And thank you to Screen Strong. I hope everyone enjoyed this show as much as I have enjoyed talking to Richard today. Please take a look at our Kids Brains and Screens course that is now available on our website. We talked about that. The 30-day um, detox is included with that. Just 30 days, we're going to help you get your kids back. You have to do something. You can't just sit and not take action. We do have a Screen Strong Families Facebook group where if you are having problems right now, you can jump in there and we will help you. And when we get tough questions, we talk to our, our experts like Richard Freed. Um, make the switch and get a Gab phone today if you want an alternative to take the smartphone away from your kids. We have a code STRONG is the code and you will get a discount on that. And what is your homework? We would like for you to share this podcast with at least five of your friends and start thinking about getting a little group together. We've got to get the word out and we're doing it and we are doing it and we're so excited. And your other homework is to go get Richard's book, Wired Child. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong. Stay strong.